Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So the Utah Jazz played last night, sort of, kind of, not very well, not well at all. Got blown out by the Brooklyn Nets and got blown out right out of the gate. I mean, you knew, if you were watching from the start of the game, you knew they were in trouble immediately. First six minutes of the game, they got outscored 20-4. to Offensively, they missed some pretty good looks in that stretch. Uh, layup or two, had some open threes, couldn't make them, but it was the defense that was really disturbing, giving up fast breaks. Just giving, ball, giving shots up in transition. There were layups. They weren't getting back. They were getting outrun. It was a bad sign. You know, they played a little better in stretches and trade hoops, traded hoops, but they never made a serious run. They never got back, you know, got it down into single digits or anything. Uh, in the third quarter, they kind of got within 15, and then boom, it went to 25, I think, at the end of the quarter. It was over. It was over. You just knew. Uh, it was really over for the first six minutes. We're going to have the best of post-game show coming up. And Rudy and Donovan afterwards both, you know, put it on them. And they didn't play well. And Donovan pointed out they've only played two and a half good games. That's pretty much accurate. You know, they, they played pretty well in stretches against the Clippers. And they were very good against the Spurs. And they were very good against the Blazers. That's two full games. And and for uh, a chunk of the Clipper game, that was that was kind of back and forth. Um you know, they won ugly at Oklahoma City. Um, I, I don't know what their deal is, but, you know, if I mean, they, Rudy says stuff like we want to win a championship and Donovan says we're done with the first round, uh, but they got to bring it more often than they're bringing it now. You can't bring it every night in the NBA. You get worn down. You have bad nights. The other guy has good nights. I understand all that, but it's happening too often. It's happening way too often. So, it happens to everybody. I mean, the Spurs beat the Clippers. After getting drilled by the Jazz, the Spurs went and lit up the Clippers. So, go figure. Um, but it can't happen this often to the Jazz. All right, DJ and PK, we've got to take a break. Uh, when we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show. We'll get to that next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time now for the best of the postgame show. The Jazz are in New York. They're playing the Knicks tonight, and they better play better than they did against the Nets or they'll lose again. No Durant, no Dinwiddie, no problem for the Nets. Here's the best of the postgame show. Your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. Tough night last night for the Utah Jazz. Got drubbed at the hands of the Brooklyn Nets, 130-96. to uh, Did not go well for the Jazz from the start. They were outscored in the first quarter, 35-14. to And the game was essentially over from there as uh, it stayed about a 20-point deficit throughout. And uh, the Jazz, as you'll hear in some of the postgame sound, not a lot of urgency. Not a, Didn't play with a lot of force. Uh, played a little bit softer than the Nets out there, but uh, they did get 31 points from Donovan Mitchell and 10 of 22 shooting. Outside of that, 10 points from Royce O'Neal all in the first half. 10 points from Rudy Gobert. He uh, On 3 of 10 shooting, he added 11 rebounds and 2 block shots. 12 points from Clarkson coming out in off the bench, but the Jazz overall shot 38.8% from the field, 32.4% from 3, and were completely outplayed by the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving. 
did whatever he wanted to do in the first part of this game. He had, he finished with uh, 29 points total. He had six boards and five assists, uh, made his first seven shots. He was five and seven from three as well. And Jared Allen, the big fella, what a game from him. 19 points, 18 rebounds, three steals, and two block shots, and uh, definitely outplayed Rudy Gobert in Brooklyn last night. Let's get you some postgame sound. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Uh, we'll start with Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, Quinn, uh, how do you describe the defensive problems you had tonight? I'm sorry, Andy. How do you describe the defensive problems that you had tonight? Well, I think to begin with, we we didn't have urgency. Um, I don't think there was really anything we did well. You know, beginning with transition early, uh, not getting back with urgency. We didn't contain the ball. Um, you know, it's probably the the overall theme was our inability to protect the paint. Um, you know, they got in the paint either on drives, offensive rebounds. Um, but if we, you know, if, if the ball gets in there that easy, there's not a lot of good things that are that are going to happen. It's it's going to be tough to recover. So, um, you know, pick and roll, they're, they're, all the different ways that they were able to attack the rim, and then. That ends up, you know, with with clean looks from three. But it started with transition, and it, it permeated everything we did defensively. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Quinn, you talked about it a little bit before the game of, of not having a lot of practice time. Does that force you even in games like this? I know you got your younger guys in, but to just use some of these minutes to try and get your guys to gel? Well, you know, we, were, we played, you know, in – played the game and at the end obviously the the, the game dictated that um, we were out of the game and you know obviously with the back-to-back but regardless of a back-to-back it you know some other guys needed to get in and compete and um, you know you'd like to have different opportunities to um, to get those guys some opportunity but um, that that wasn't the case tonight you know we just didn't we didn't play well is, is an understatement Eric Walden Salt Lake Tribune Quinn, you were asked before the game about, you know, how do you convince the guys in the locker room to take a team missing its best player seriously? Do you feel like that maybe was an issue that that the lack of kind of intensity and focus at the start was a result of that? Well, certainly there was, you know, a lack of intensity and focus on the defensive end at the beginning of the game. You know, they had a couple buckets that that found their way in. And I thought our offense hurt our defense early where they were running on us. You know, we had a couple at the rim that we had missed, but it, it snowballed. So as far as, you know, what we were concentrating on at the, the beginning of the game, um, it wasn't it wasn't the way we played it wasn't the right things particularly the defensive end i point to the transition early because that that's usually you point to that with you know a lack of urgency to get back and like i said before they were attacking so whatever the the reasons are um you know none of them are excuses we just um we played really really poorly and the one thing about the NBA is we play again tomorrow, so we need to bounce back and be prepared to play, and obviously uh, have a different, you know, a, a different mindset going into tomorrow's game. All right, Nicole Tab Deportes. 
Hi coach, uh, Royce O'Neill look very confident, especially when the team needs the baskets more. How you feel, how you think about his performance tonight? Rudy, you said? Uh, Royce O'Neill. Royce. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think Royce competed. Um, Kyrie Irving is a talented, you know, talented player, as we've said before. So, um, you know, the, the biggest thing that, that Royce can do is, is come out um, and defend every night and knock down open shots. And I think just collectively, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't have enough tonight in, in you know, most facets of the game, if not everyone. There's Quinn Snyder uh, as his team falls uh, in Brooklyn to the Nets, 130-96. to Let's hear from some players. Uh, let's start with Donovan Mitchell. First up, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Don, you said the other night that you can't come out tonight and be a different team. What is it that you're seeing that's the common thread from these different styles of play that we're seeing with you guys so far? Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing is – the saying is like never get too high, never get too low. I think, you know, we're, we kind of fluctuate. You know, we have that tendency to fluctuate and we just didn't come out ready for their their pressure. Um, we've seen this before. We've seen it a bunch this season. Um, we were able to squeak away with one win uh, against Oklahoma State. You know, we haven't won any of these games where they come out, you know, we've pushed back and made great pushes. But, you know, this is what happens when you play a team like this, you know, that lost four out of five, came in with something to prove. and. Got to hand. I mean, I'm tired of saying it, but you got to hand it. You got to hand it to the team for coming out that way. We got to find a way to, you know. But you just didn't do much right uh, today as a whole, and that can't happen after a really, really good performance. Um, it's been the story all season. What are we? Three and three, four and three, whatever it is. Um, that's indicative of our play. You know, we have three good games. It's gonna be two and a half good games, and then three bad ones. So it's like, you know, we got to figure out who we want to be uh, right now. Fortunately, it's six games and not 26 or 60. Uh, we have time to turn this around, but we need to start now. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Don, you said, I mean, as you said, you guys didn't do many things right tonight. So when there's a game when so many things are going wrong, how can you kind of look back and try to fix anything? I think the biggest thing is why we just got to look at ourselves. You know, we came out, I think Kyrie started out seven for seven, you know, three of those shots bounced around the rim, but you know, not just Kyrie, but you know, we can get back in transition. The little details are what makes us a great team, you know, and I think, or I think that's what we got to look at the little details, sprinting bracket, sprinting back in transition turnovers. How many times we pushed the ball? How many times were we able to get in the wall and stop the, the fast break offensive rebounds, all the things we focus on, you know, we can point to four or five different things, but taking every little detail. I think that's where you start, you know, when, they, when you have a game like this and we've had a few and you got to start with the little things and you've seen, we've done it, you know, we've done it against Portland, done it against San Antonio, uh, done it against the Clippers. Um, I think we just got to, you know, look at ourselves and say, look, we have to be this team every day, not, you know, 75% of the time or whatever. Like if we want to be a team that's contending for a championship, we have to do it every day. And that's what you look at. You know, it's easy to point at whatever, you know, but you look at the little things. How many times were we able to hit Jared Allen? You know, how many times were we able to blitz Kyrie the right way and get the ball out of his hands? How many times were we able to shift? Like, I didn't go in there and get any rebounds. You know, like how many times? Those are the things we got to look at, not so much whose fault it is, just little details individually that make up, you know, what we do. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Don, uh, Quinn mentioned that there wasn't 
um, any uh, focus or, or intensity on the defensive end at the beginning of the game. Why do you think that was? Do you think was was there any overlooking the Nets because uh, Durant was out, or or what happened there? Yeah, we have too much respect for those guys on the other side uh, to overlook anybody over there. And quite frankly, when a guy like Kevin Durant is out, you know, you look at guys, you know, around, they see that as an opportunity. Uh, they see that as an opportunity to to get certain shots that they may not necessarily get uh, with KD there. So if anything, they're you know those guys are even more dangerous because you don't know where it's going to come from. And I think they just. Like I said, I hate doing this, but you, you give them credit, you know, and we got to get to a point where I got to stop saying that. Like, you know, but they came out like they lost four out of five. Uh, they came out like they shouldn't have lost to Washington. And we came out like we, we, we won, you know, against San Antonio the way we did. And I think that's where our problem is, just having the same sharp-minded mindset from the jump, not getting punched in the mouth. Like, we got to play. And then next thing you know, a guy like Kyrie Irving, you know, is, is hot. It's at seven for seven, eight for eight. Then every time he misses or it's his bot bouncing around and we're not going to get those roles. You compound that with our misses and now it looks like, you know, nothing's going right. And it feels like nothing's going right. You know, and I think that's where you get down in the hole. We got to get come out where it's like, look, it doesn't matter if we hit five shots to start the game or miss three, miss five, whatever. We got to be the same team defensively. And we just weren't that tonight. All right. We have time for one more. This will come from Tim McMahon, ESPN. <laughs> Hey, Donovan, you've been one of the really prominent voices uh, in the league's push for social justice. So I wanted to uh, to get your reaction in the news out of Kenosha, Wisconsin today. I'm sorry, what, what happened? Oh, you mean, okay, 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 gotcha, gotcha. Well, yeah, my bad. Uh, yeah, um, not being charged. Um, honest with you Tim I don't I don't really have words um and that and that sounds cliche but it just gets to a point where it's like you know there are things that obviously we we, we see we see the video and then you can make the point of you know oh we didn't see what happened before that but at the end of the day a man was shot in front of his children you know and it's it's, it's heartbreaking and, and, and it's sad to see um I saw Marquette I believe took a knee uh before their game you know and I, I it just gets to a point, man. It's like, what more? Like, what? What else? <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's that's really where I'm at. You know, I don't really. You, know, you look at that. You look at Breonna Taylor. It's just like, what else? You know, what? What? What else? And I, I don't have words. It's just, it's sad that it's become a thing. You know, where it's like you don't really expect any like any justice out of these things because it's like man like you know you're as an african-american uh male uh it's just one of those things where you're, you're scared and it doesn't matter who the hell you are it doesn't matter if you know the most famous person in the world or you know whatever like at the end of the day your job is your job i play basketball but i'm an african-american male and i have african-american women in my life and 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 so on and it's just disheartening man it's 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 sad it's it's tough to see and you know, I, my prayers go out to his family and his children who I've been in communication with um, as far as the education, because this is this is it's just heartbreaking. There was Donovan Mitchell frustrated with how his team played, uh, said the Jazz last night didn't do anything right. Although Donovan himself did finish the game with 31 points in 30 minutes on 10 of 22 shooting. Let's now hear from Royce O'Neal. Our first question will be from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Royce, obviously kind of a, a tough start defensively for the team. Quinn said that there wasn't enough intensity or focus on that end at the beginning of the game. Uh, to what do you attribute that? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we just didn't come out aggressive, you know, start with myself uh, on the ball. Uh, you know, they got it, got hot. We got to make things tough for them. And then, uh, you know, 
you know, sometimes things don't go our way. But, you know, I think our energy is something, you know, we can handle. You know, we're going to bring it next game. Can't think about it too much. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Where it's kind of along those lines, you guys did great against San Antonio, but putting together back-to-back consistent games has been a challenge, whether that's the struggle of getting off to a good start. Uh, why is that the case? What, what, what are you seeing there? I think we just got to, you know, carry over the focus from the last game, uh, you know, San Antonio. We see how we can play. And, you know, we got to bring it every game. You know, guys are going to come, teams are going to come after us, uh, you know, bring their best effort. So we just got to match that. And we got to bring our best effort every night. Uh, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Bryce, with the with regards to your defense on Kyrie, were, were there are there plays that you kind of wish you had back? Are there things you would wish you would have done differently or better or whatever it is to kind of slow that early start? I mean, try to make things tough for him. He made some tough shots, uh, you know. But you know, I just got to be more aggressive myself. You know, uh, be more alert, aware. You know, try to make things harder for him. Uh, so. All right, and we have one last question. Nicole with Tab Deportes. Hi, Anir from Puerto Rico. What is your big learning from this game to improve facing needs tomorrow? I think our defensive effort, uh, you know, even when, you know, things aren't falling on the offensive end, we got to have, you know, that defensive energy, you know, to compete, staying in games, you know, not every game is going to be offensive game for us, you know, whether we're making or missing shots, we know our defense is going to set the tone for us on both ends. There was Royce O'Neal, uh, 10 points, 4 of 7 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3, had 5 rebounds, but really had a tough defensive assignment and really had a tough time staying in front of Kyrie Irving, who again had a big night with 29 points. So let's now hear from Rudy Gobert. We'll start with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Rudy, putting together consistent games has been a struggle this season. Why is that? I think we just got to start the game better. You know, uh, we've been seeing the same thing uh, back and forth. You know, we play well one game, then the next game we, we don't play well. And uh, if you want to be a, a great team, we have to find a way to bring it every single night, even on the tough nights like tonight. Uh, it's tough, you know, to, to win any type of game when you start the game by giving up. 21 points in the first uh, six minutes, you know, and uh, and it's on us, uh, particularly on me, to make sure I start the game the right way and give us a chance. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy Day, Rudy Day, I in the paint tonight. That's usually your area of focus. What happened? I think I didn't play. I just didn't bring it tonight, uh, especially in the first quarter. You know, and like I just said, uh, I have to set the tone for my team, for my teammates uh, every single night. And uh, tonight, I didn't stop the game with the with the intensity that I, that I should have. And, you know, we maybe we would not win the game, but I think, uh, you know, giving up, being down 21 to 4 in, a, in the first six minutes, um, you know, it just put us in a bad spot, and uh, it's mentally tougher on everybody to to come back from that. And I think I can control that and start the game better. 
Uh, <clears throat> Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, Jared Allen had had a big game, kind of uh, bringing high energy, kind of going right at you. Was there anything he was doing differently, or or was that just you know you not getting off to that uh, great start at the beginning, as you mentioned? Yeah, that's exactly what I mentioned. You know, he. I mean, he, he played a good game. He, you know, he's a, he's a good player. Uh, but I uh, started the game soft, and uh, you know, that's not the gave him confidence. Gave him confidence to think that you know he could do anything he want. He wanted, and uh, and he did pretty much do that throughout the game. You know, and that's it's just one game. But uh, this is yeah, we I have, and we have to start the game better. And it changes everything, especially on the road. Uh, we have a follow-up from Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Uh, when you're talking about starting the game better, how much of that is physicality, focus, those sort of things? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, uh, our focus, our, our energy, and our physicality. And, uh, you know, and like I said, even if it's a night when we feel like we don't have as much juice, we need to act like we do and uh, you know it doesn't take energy to communicate you know it doesn't take energy to just be strong with the ball and you know and uh, and that's those things when in the nights when we maybe don't have as much legs we need to make sure we have the brain and you know and by doing that we just bring it every single night and we're going to be able to be in a position to win every single game. So it's uh, still early in the season, and you know it's uh, it's going to be a lot of games. We're going to have a lot of opportunities, but uh, we can't let it. You know, we we let it slip already like three times playing that way. So if we want to be you know a top team in the West, uh, we can't waste any more bullets like that. We got to bring it every night and start the game the right way. There's Rudy, uh, 10 points, 11 rebounds, two block shots, but uh, really had his hands full with Jarrett Allen. And you could tell Rudy was frustrated with with the way he played right from the beginning. But uh, Jazz don't have long to think about it. They're back at it tonight. They're in New York to take on the Knicks. That game will tip off at 5.30. Pre-game coverage here on The Zone begins at 4.30. There's the best of the postgame show when we come back. He's now the offensive coordinator at Baylor. After being offensive coordinator at BYU for the last three years, Jeff Grimes, when he looks back, what does he remember from this past season? When did he know Zach Wilson was going to be a very wanted man in the NFL and ultimately be a very high draft pick? We'll talk with Jeff Grimes next on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. It's time now to welcome in Jeff Grimes. He used to be the offensive coordinator at BYU. Now he's the offensive coordinator at Baylor. Jeff, good morning and congratulations. Well, thanks. I, I'm just guessing it must be a low content day for y'all. 
Otherwise, <laughs> you wouldn't be putting me on first thing in the morning. Nice self-deprecating, but you know there are more than a couple of BYU fans rolling around out there who are very interested in what you have to say about this season and the season going forward for BYU and uh, just for college football in general. It's been such an incredible year. But for you, uh, first, personally... Um, you know, looking for a new job is uh, can be a wild thing, and college football can be a wild place. How, how did this? How did this all come together? What appeals uh, about it? Uh, how'd you make this decision and and make the jump to Baylor? Yeah. So first, I would say that I was not looking for another job, and in and in coaching, you know, sometimes you are and sometimes you're not. Um, and and I, I've been blessed to be here, and and so thankful for the opportunity that that Kalani has not only given me to be here in this role, but all all the pieces that he um, put in place and the autonomy that he gave me and us with the offense. So I was I was perfectly happy to stay here, but. Um, you know, I know Dave Aranda. We spent a couple years together at LSU, and so, as is often the case in the business, you get a call from somebody on someone else's behalf, and you know uh, that way someone can claim culpability, I guess. But wanted to find out if you know if I might have any interest, and uh, so then, yes, maybe let's talk about it, and then. Um, Dave and Kalani know each other, and so Dave did the the thing that you're supposed to do in this business, and you call somebody and get their permission to talk. And so we had we had a couple of conversations, and then talked about what that might look like, and then some of the some of the other things that that might happen. What would the staff look like, and so forth. And um, that that was kind of the timeline, and then. Um, and then Sunday night uh, offered me the job, and then uh, of course I I visited with Kalani throughout the process. Um, he, he and I have a great relationship, and he's been so good so good to me about things like this. And then and then to answer your other question, the appeal for it, for me I think starts with going back home. Um, I think Bear Bryant once said, "You can't say no to Mama when Mama calls." And so, you know, my <laughs> my Mama lives lives 110 miles from from Baylor's campus, and my wife's family is is all in Texas as well. And um, you know, so so it is an opportunity to get back home and and closer to family, especially as they're getting a little bit older. And then, you know, I think it's a place that that fits me and and will fit my family you know it's a it's another faith faith-based institution where um your faith and christianity is something that can be lived out in a in a very comfortable manner and something that you can recruit to and embrace and that's something that i've certainly appreciated here even though i'm not a member of the church it's been a great fit for me and my family for that reason and i think baylor will be as well and then and then I think it's a great chance to work with a guy that, that I respect a lot and think a lot of as a coach. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever met and always, always respected what he did with defense. And he and I had a lot of talks about football in general when we were there together. And so I believe in what he's doing there and, and um, a great opportunity for, for me to help him get it right. 
So, Jeff, I don't know how much more a relationship could take. 17 and 18, 17, 18 years ago, you leave my alma mater, ASU, to come to BYU. I get to know you then. I was covering you for the newspaper. But you left me to go to Colorado. Now you're leaving me to go to Baylor. That's three times you left me, but I'm willing to overlook it because in the spring, you tweeted out that you were spending a spring evening when everybody was in quarantine listening to Van Morrison. So I'm okay with this, Jeff. <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, at the beginning of all this, one of my first thoughts was, can I do this again? Can I, can I leave my guy one more time, and, and uh, would I be okay with that? Is he going to be okay with this? And uh, I think somehow we'll, we'll have to come to grips with it, and maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Van can, can console us out on the back porch. There you go. There is a thing that you hear when people leave to move on, and, and it's perceived. Obviously, you're going home, so nobody begrudges you, and you did a great job here. The idea of leaving a place better than you found it. Could you address that? Because obviously, on the surface from the outside, it looks like you did exactly that. Well, I think, you know, for. For me, it was. It, I, I love this place, and I loved it when I was here before. And I wouldn't have come back if if I didn't feel that way. And so, yeah, being being a part of helping um, Kalani and everyone else involved uh, get get BYU football back to a place where everyone can be proud of it. In in particular, in my case, making BYU offense something to be to be feared and respected and fun to, to be around for our fans to watch and something that everybody can, can enjoy. Yeah. I, I, I think no question that, um, that having been a part of that is something that, that is gratifying, um, and allows me to leave and say, okay, this, this thing is, is moving in the right direction. Jeff Grimes joining us, leaving BYU as the offensive coordinator, going to Baylor, where he will be the offensive coordinator. Uh, Cougar fans enjoyed this year. Everybody wants more. You know, you prefer the number zero to the number one in the loss column. But, hey, and it probably there's some matchups out there they really wish had been played. You know, the Utes and, and some of the other uh, Power Five games are on the schedule. When you're inside the program, Obviously, some of that stuff weighs on you, and you think about some of that stuff. So how do you encapsulate this whole weird, wacky, beautiful, fabulous, crazy season you just went through? Wow. That's that's a a lot wrapped up in that question. Um, And I, I think for me, it's... It's the, the, the willingness and eagerness of our players to, to follow us into the fray regardless of what that meant. And I remember, I remember sitting in, in a meeting, standing in front of the offense in our team room when, when all of this stuff started to fall apart, you know, when when uh, I'm trying to remember the sequence of events now, but, you know, the Big Ten canceled and the Pac-12 canceled, the Mount West canceled, and you're starting to see these these teams drop off our schedule. And and the guys, I mean, I, I will never forget the, the looks on their faces and I'm standing in front of them and they're going, Coach, are we going to play? Are we, are we even going to have a season? And I asked them that we asked them as a staff to – to just 
trust the process and show up to work regardless regardless of all the other things show up and go to work and talked about being in position where we were going to play a a nameless, faceless foe, that thing that you talk about sometimes as coaches became a reality for us. Um, but their willingness to, to do that, um, I, I really think allowed us to start this season off the right way because I, I think they did show up and they did work hard and, and they were willing to work even, even not knowing what, what the season would look like. And then the other thing that, that I really thought was a challenge this year was playing it's always a challenge at BYU not being in a conference is a challenge but being in position where we were playing a number of teams who might not have the national respect or acclaim or record that you would have you would have hoped to have had changes your outlook and it changes it as a player more than more than a coach or a fan or anyone else I think because there's uh, if you're a, if you're a true competitor, then yeah, you want to line up and and uh, go toe to toe with the Utes. You want to line up and, and and play USC and Wisconsin and some of the teams that, that we've that we've been in position to play against these past few years. But they but I I I've really really been impressed with their willingness to show up regardless of who the opponent was, and and I really think it became kind of a part of our identity this season and. So for me, that's the thing I'll remember is just the willingness of our players to show up and work regardless of what the future looked like. I remember years ago, Lance Reynolds, who I believe you coached with when you first got to uh, BYU, was on the staff together. He told me BYU should always be good in the offensive line. And he was speaking of that they can recruit LDS kids. It's the obvious connection there. So the point being that they should always be good. Now, this is offensive line is where you cut your teeth as a former offensive line player and obviously as a coach. And we've had a number of years where the line wasn't as good as it had been. And now we got it back uh, this past season and it was very good and you've got a number of guys looking at the NFL possibilities as you leave here could you evaluate the state of talent as far as the offensive line goes um, well yeah I would comment first on on Lance and he's a great guy and a great friend and and he and I really worked well together when I was here before and there's a lot of wisdom in what he said and I do believe that there are certain positions that inherently should be um, top-notch at, at BYU. And, and all, you know, tight end is one of those that comes to mind as well. But certainly that's true in the offensive line. And, and um, you know, for whatever reason, ha- haven't had some of those guys. And, um, you know, re- yes, I feel great about the state of the offensive line. Um, you know, it starts with recruiting and – it, it's it's a matter of recruiting the right guys, and it's easy to go out there and find a bunch of big guys, but they may not they may not move the way you want them to, or they may not have the flexibility that you need them to have. But there are the there are the physical prerequisites that I think are required to be a great offensive lineman, and and if a guy has enough of those, then your real job as a recruiter, as a coach, is to find out if this guy has the other things. Does this guy love the game of football? Is he tough? Is he going to enjoy having the opportunity to to sprain his ankle 
um, or dislocate a finger and then walk right back out there the next series and take pride in that? Is he willing to choke another man out when the opportunity calls for it? And, you know, those, those things, if a guy has enough of the physical things, those intangibles, what's in his heart and in his brain, those things will make a guy into a great offensive lineman because if he loves the game then he'll do all the things he needs to do in the weight room which is where I would go next you know and I give our weight room our strength guys credit because you look at our guys they look like they should look they look like NFL linemen Um, we don't have fat guys we got guys that are big and strong and powerful and athletic and so I give Nuu and Justin and AJ and all those guys credit for that but then there's got to be the, the football development. And i got to give Ryan Pugh and Eric Mateos most of the credit for that. And certainly I've been a part of it because that's my baby. My, my wife always says the worst job in the world would be my, be my offensive line coach. And <laughs> that would be true if, I, if, it, if it weren't somebody that I knew and trusted. And, you know, those guys have done a phenomenal job. And, you know, I think we'll, we'll obviously see those guys leave and move on this year. But there are great young players, and not just young guys, a lot of them that will step in that have played a lot of football already. And, and that matters, you know, um, for, for guys to step in that have already played some. For, for Clark Barrington to play all of this season and having played last year as a freshman, which was, which was quite ugly at a number of times, i got to tell you. Um, but for him to play the way that he did – I think had had to do with how he played the year before um, and having a chance to grow and learn through that. So we've had a number of those guys, and, and then we got some other new guys coming to join. But the, the state of the offensive line is, is great, um, and I got, I got all the confidence in the world in Coach Mateos, and he has a, he has a great bond with those guys. They, they love him and they trust him, and, and the culture is, is back to like it should be. And, and, um, it, you know, as you alluded to, none, none of the other things, none of the things that happened for Zach or Tyler or Dax or Isaac Rex or any of those guys, none of those things happen if the O-line isn't doing their job. At what point did you realize Zach Wilson was going to be projected as a very high NFL draft pick? Um, you know... I would say early season, the way he was throwing the ball, I just, I, I just, I, I've been around long enough to, I mean, I didn't know where probably, but the way he was throwing the ball and his decision making and just seeing his him be healthy, um, it, it, it told me early on we're not we're not going to have this guy much longer. And when I saw him make when I saw him make the throw that he made. Um, to Dax on third and 15 or 16 against Houston. Um, I just, on the headsets, I said, well, enjoy it while it lasts, boys. <laughs> because he's a special, special talent. And and then throughout the season have fielded calls from a number of NFL teams. And, and just, I mean, I, I'm hearing these guys, these grown men, 50 years, 60 years old, talking with a twinkle in their eye about this young young quarterback in Provo, Utah, and I realized, yeah, this guy's going to go, and he's going to go early. So it was a bit of a process, but 
man, I'm so proud of him and how far he's come and, and, and the way he's grown as a player and as a leader and as a teammate. And, man, he's, he's going to do great. I, I love the kid, and I got all the confidence in the world in I'm intrigued how you said, Jeff, that being independent and not being in a conference is a challenge. Obviously, it turned out to be beneficial this season. But what types of challenges are there as far as being independent? And is it something that you believe is uh, something that BYU can be successful at over the long term? Um, Yes, I think you can, but it is certainly a challenge. And I knew it coming in, but I didn't know to what extent. It would be. And I think it's a, you know, more than anything else, it's a psychological challenge. Um, because human, human nature is such that, that you, you, we need something to be aiming towards. That's why for, for all of these years, people who are writing books on setting goals and, and achieving your dreams have made money. Because there's an innate need within us that is to do something more, and we need something to aim at. And I think when you don't have that conference title to shoot for, it can be tough. And and it can be particularly tough the way that the schedule often plays out. And and, um, I, I know it's a tough job for for Tom and all the other people that are that are involved in it. But when you play, um, a heavy slate of respected teams early and our guys get up for that. You know, I mean, they've got that, that, that mentality that says, let's go to war. And then you have something that can be perceived as less than that. Then sometimes, sometimes it's a, it's a challenge and I don't think it's it's a want to. I don't think it's um, a thing where where the guys ah, our season's over or we lose a couple games and then give in. I don't think that's the case at all because you saw the way that that we battled back, and I, I feel like the way that the team battled back in 2019 really set the stage for this season. But um, I, I do think that's a challenge. And the challenge that I've that I've always tried tried to lay out to to the offensive players is that being a competitor should be part of your identity. And if you are a competitor, then every day you show up, you're ready to go and you're ready to prove yourself. And it does not matter who shows up or whether there's a, a trophy on the line or whether we're just playing out in the backyard. If somebody challenges you to a game, you're going to go out there and you're going to go and, and you're going to give everything that you got if that's who you are. And so I've really challenged our guys to try to become that 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 kind of team, that kind of individual. And, you know, maybe, maybe this season will help towards that because I do think, like I said, I think we took a step forward in that direction with the schedule that we played this year. Jeff Grimes joining us, former BYU offense coordinator, now the new offense coordinator at Baylor. Uh, we've heard a lot of theories from a lot of people on what it's like to recruit Utah high school athletes to stay and go to school in Utah. We're seeing more and more guys leave the state. Can you talk about the mindset of high school players and how you convince them to stay at home? Granted, you then get on a plane and go to California, Arizona, and Texas and try to convince them to leave home. But when you're talking to the guys about staying at home, because it seems like that's getting to be a more difficult sell. Yeah, I think 
I think first you have to win. I mean, if you if you win games, then you'll have an opportunity to be in the home of anybody in the state of Utah. If you're if you're BYU or Utah or Utah State, you'll have the opportunity to walk into any home in this state because there is a real draw to staying in state and playing for one of these schools. Um, but the challenge is that, you know, sometimes there's something more attractive, the grass being greener somewhere else. Um, and so I think what you got to do is you have to win. And there are, there are obvious advantages to staying close to home, whether that's geography or a family tie or the church or whatever that might be. There are obvious advantages to that. What you have to do is you have to prove to them that you're not taking – uh, a step backwards to come and play football here. You come and play football here at one of these in-state schools, you're not taking a back seat to Oregon or Washington or any of the any of the other places that that guys might leave for and and that can be a challenge because there are a lot of a lot of great football programs right uh right right next to us here, but but I do believe it can be done, and I, and I think the in-state schools are, are moving in the right direction. But, yeah, that's certainly a challenge. And I think, you know, our because of technology and social media and everything else, the world is smaller than it's ever been. And so it's easier to stay in touch than it ever has been before. You know, my, my daughter goes to school in, in Oklahoma, and so, you know, the fact that I can FaceTime with her as opposed to what it was like <laughs> when when I was in college – 30 years ago and I had to go use the payphone to, to call my parents or my girlfriend um, or use a calling card you know th- those things um, ha- have made it easier for for kids to travel and I think feel like they can still stay in touch with with home so as part of that though has it made recruiting that much more intense because in that respect the world is smaller yeah, I think I think it certainly has. You know, I think I think what you saw. Um, so when I first started coaching, I was I was in Texas and started out coaching high school football, and then I was coaching. <clears throat> excuse me. Then I was coaching. Um, you know, I was a graduate assistant at at Rice and Texas A and M, and you know, then football was pretty regional. You know, for the most part, Texas kids stayed in Texas. And Georgia kids stayed in Georgia, and certainly there there were some kids that that crossed state lines and went somewhere a little bit further away. But it would be more typical for a Texas kid to go to Oklahoma, maybe or Arkansas or LSU, for them to go to Florida or Oregon would be a completely different thing altogether. And so I think the ease of travel and of communication has made it such that there are more players involved. And when I say players, I mean recruiters involved in recruiting the the top kids out there. It's true for coaches too, right? Now at Baylor, you're going to play Texas, and they're coached by former BYU quarterback Steve Sarkeesian who's been everywhere from Washington to Atlanta to Alabama. You guys are all over the place. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is. Um, a, it can be a nomadic lifestyle. 
Well, you get to go home, and that is a win for you. Congratulations, Jeff. It's been a, uh, I'm sure it's been a wild ride. There's probably more stories you could tell us that you won't, but we'll just assume that it was a crazy wild ride, and you end up on a, on a high note and a, and a good opportunity to Baylor. So congratulations. Well, thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll always be a BYU fan. I'll always be a Kalani fan. I love the guys that I worked with here. I mean, A-Rod is unbelievable. He's going to do a great job, and, and he, ha- he and I have um, an amazing friendship and working relationship. Fessy is, is crazy smart and going to be a great coach in his own right, one of the best young coaches I've been around. Um, Mateos, obviously, you know how I feel about him, or I wouldn't have brought him here and already talked about that. And, and Harvey and Steve Clark, just great guys and great coaches. And, you know, the, the program is in good hands. And, and I know they're just going to, they're going to keep doing great things. But, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say how thankful I am first to Kalani and, and to Tom as well for trusting me and, uh, and then to the coaches I've worked with and then, and then all the players that have been willing to, to let me coach them and and coach them hard and do it in in a way that that uh, that was a lot of fun. So I appreciate it. It's been great and uh, look forward to talking to y'all down the road sometime. All right, Jeff. Well, I hope next uh, October for Saturday nights for BYU and Baylor, it will be a marvelous night for a moon dance. <laughs> Let's go. I want you to remind me that you send me you send me a tweet that week that week and I'll retweet it and we'll have a nice conversation. All right. <laughs> Circle October 16th on your calendar, people. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate it. Good luck. All right, fellas. Take care. There's Jeff Grimes, former BYU offensive coordinator, now the OC at Baylor. When we come back, what is trending and what went wrong with the Jazz? Because that was awful. Stay with us.